Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Happy Labor Day uh, weekend follow-up day. <laughs> I don't ever know what the, the day after Labor Day where everybody's like, oh, man, I got to, I got to schlep back to work. And I know, um, I know we, I saw the traffic leaving Maine yesterday. We were out driving around. I'm like, oh, my goodness. It looked like it was maybe two to three hours heading out of the state in traffic. It was just forever, ever, ever. So here we are. It's, uh, I think this is fall for everybody. So this is one of our, our, our fall kickoff shows. We've had a few so far, but don't you think Lisa, I've at least Dr. Lisa dog it with me. She's my guest. She's the author of up the down escalator. Uh, it's uh, the subtitle. There's medicine, motherhood, and multiple sclerosis. So, um, in, in looking at you, Lisa, I would never think that there would ever be any challenge that you ever face um, or have faced. And it seems like yet you have. Welcome. Thank you so <laughs> much for having me on. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, I do have MS. I was diagnosed in 2009. Um, and MS is a really weird disease. So uh, I've been fortunate to uh, to have a fairly slow um, course of the disease and have been minimally affected, but um, it, it can certainly have a big impact and, and it's had a big impact in a lot of ways on my life, even though physically I'm in good shape. Yeah, well, I love the fact that you wrote a book about it to kind of help all those who uh, maybe might be newly diagnosed or, you know, need some assistance, you know, especially from a doctor writing that from your perspective and, and, you know, point of view and experience and everything. It's, it's a really good book. So uh, it's, it's new. It's not in pre-order anymore. It got released, right? It's, it's out there live. Great. And wild. Yeah. It was published <laughs> uh, just almost uh, three weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. So it's up the down escalator medicine, motherhood and multiple sclerosis or MS, as you, as you said, then I want to just direct everybody to your website also, uh, because sometimes people fiddle around while they're listening. So just going to spell this for you. So her last name is pronounced Doggett. I want to put a a D in there. That is not correct. It's L-I-S-A-D-O-G-G-E-T-T.com. So you can go to her website and, um, you know, her book's available wherever books are sold though. You can go to your indie bookstore and order it. Um, or Amazon or Barnes and Noble, whatever you want. But um, we're going to give a give a little bit of attention to this um, to the book to multiple sclerosis. That is hard to say. I'm just going to say MS from now on. Um, how I, I got to ask you, how, did something happen? You know, I've read your book and everything, so I'm going to ask this like I kind of don't know the answer to this question. But did did something happen to you one day where you woke up and you're like, ooh, something's not working right? Or how did you discover that you that you had MS? Yeah, thank you. I, you know, I was very healthy. Um, I was working as a doctor at a clinic for people without insurance and, and saw a lot of sick people every day, but I really expected that I was going to stay healthy because I did all the right things you're supposed to do. So I was eating healthy, exercising every day, really trying to t- take care of myself. Um, but nevertheless, I woke up, um, it was November 2nd, uh, 2009, and I remember the exact date because it was two days before my daughter was going to turn two years old. So I had two mm. little kids, and I woke up some, and something wasn't right. As you said, I was dizzy, and dizzy is not 
really the right word to describe what I felt. It's just the best word that I can think of. I just felt kind of off, like a little bit of motion sickness, kind of like I hadn't gotten enough sleep, uh, even though I had, and I felt like maybe I was getting the flu, and I thought that was probably what was happening, is I would just be getting, you know, beginning of a respiratory infection, um, kept going to work. I was able to keep up with my schedule. It just felt a lot harder to do that. Um, and then I started having new symptoms. Um, and one of the things about MS is it can cause a variety of symptoms, including things like mobility problems, sensory changes, visual problems. And I actually did have some visual problems. Um, I started seeing double, um, not all the time, but you know, it, my eyes just weren't working quite right. And I started having some changes to the, my sense of taste. Um, and this all happened over the course of a week. Um, I started getting pretty nervous because I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, MS is an autoimmune disease, and it does strike women more than men, about three to one ratio, um, particularly young people between ages 20 and 50, um, although it can strike any age. Um, but it wasn't even on my radar. I'm embarrassed to say, even as a doctor, I didn't think about it, and I started thinking I had a brain tumor. So uh, I was diagnosed a week later, relieved I didn't have a brain tumor, but still pretty shocked to have what I call a life sentence with MS. Hmm. And what what um, what happens to you? I, I I don't know total. You know, I'm not totally educated on MS. Um, what happens to you with MS? Yeah, so MS the... is a disease of yeah. It's it's a condition of the central nervous system, so it affects the brain and the spinal cord, and uh, it happens when immune cells, your immune system, starts to attack. The, the coating, or what's called myelin, around nerve cells. Myelin acts as kind of an insulation. And so if you think about insulation around a pipe, for example, not working right, um, you know, that, that's not, it, it, the insulation of our nerve cells, when it's gone or when it's damaged, our brain can't communicate as well with the rest of our body, and we start to get some of those strange symptoms that I mentioned. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a single presentation that's classic for MS. Like, it can really look like a whole bunch of different things. So that's part of the reason, the big reason, why people often aren't diagnosed right away. I was very lucky to get diagnosed so fast, and I think it's because I had good connections as a doctor. But uh, I know a lot, of, a lot of people wait months or even years to get diagnosed. Why was it so important for you to write a book on this topic? You know, I have always loved to write. I, I'm an obsessive journal keeper. I started writing in a journal when I was 11, and I write every day. I've missed about five or six days since then, so I have, like, literally over uh, probably about 100, 200 journals upstairs. Um, and I, it's always been kind of therapeutic for me just in my life, but when I was diagnosed with MS, it was kind of an outlet for me to just process what I was going through. And I also was very concerned about some of the disparities in care that became all the more stark when I saw, you know, I was able to get care quickly and easily, and the patients that I was treating at my clinic were not. So, for example, I had a patient who needed to see an ear, nose, and throat doctor, and I referred her, and she waited two years to get in to see ENT. The wow. wait list was that long. Whereas I got into CENT within a day when I needed to. Um, and it just, it was frustrating to me. It was, it seemed so unfair. It is unfair. And so I really wanted to shed a light on some of those disparities in care in addition to sharing my story. 
Is it frustrating to be a doctor and then be diagnosed with something? I don't know if that makes sense, but that to me would be like frustrating. Like, that would be frustrating in a way to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, uh, no. Yeah, I, I, nothing's supposed to happen to doctors. Right. No, I don't. I mean, it, 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 it doesn't make sense that I would think that I'm immune to all of the yeah, things no. I'm seeing at my clinic every day. But, yeah, it's kind of like I have a white coat. My white coat protects me from, from getting Everything. sick. And so, yeah, I don't know. We do kind of have this feeling that we're protected as doctors, and, and yet we are certainly as vulnerable as anybody else. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned I, I take really good care of myself, and I was really thought that I was following all of the healthy habits, and yet there's, there's still such a thing as bad luck, and I had bad luck. Did you, can you trace it to anything like you did or got into or were around? I mean, is it that kind of a thing? Is it a virus? Is it, I mean, did it, what are the, what's the latest yes. studies on that? Because I would be like, oh, I, no, it's I a- touched that <laughs> or, you know, some, it looks right. logic. Yeah. <laughs> It's logic in question. So we're totally, I mean, there's a lot of research going on to help identify what the causes are. And I spent so much time going, why me? Why did I get this? I didn't have any family history. I didn't have, you know, any other real risk factors other than being a woman in my my 30s at the time. Um, But I, I couldn't understand. And we still don't really know what causes MS. There's a very small genetic component. Um, I didn't have any family history, not that we know of, um, but there's about a 1 in 25 chance that a first-degree relative of somebody with MS will get it themselves. Um, we think that there's that the Epstein-Barr virus, which causes mono, might be a trigger somehow for MS. But, of course, a lot of people get mono and never get MS. So we're not really sure, you know, what what the whole connection is. It is um, hoped that uh, that we will develop a vaccine against Epstein-Barr virus, and that might help prevent MS. But there is still so much we don't know. Can you pinpoint? I'm going to ask. I'm going to keep going. Can you pinpoint a moment where you had mono or Epstein-Barr virus? Yeah, I did. I had mono when okay. I was in high school, um, and it was pretty bad. I I remember missing school for probably about two weeks, and um, I got pretty sick. A lot of people with mono don't get that sick. And I kind of have thought, you know, maybe the fact that I got um, more ill with mono than average um, increased my risk. But we will never know. I don't think we yeah. will anyway. <laughs> I had mono in high school, too. I also had chicken pox, which makes me feel like I'm vulnerable to shingles. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you there where sometimes the things kind of are dormant until they're not or something like that. I get it. Um, Boy, it's a it's a really I have your book right in front of me. So I was gonna I was gonna ask you. Um, it's endorsed by Stacey Abrams, um, which is which is very cool. The book demands attention for, from those who seek a more just and compassionate world and want to understand how to make it. So that's really nice of her to to endorse your book. Um, there's a lot of famous yeah. people with MS right now. Um, are we are we yeah, doing are. all we can do to raise awareness? And what do you what do you think about that? I think we're doing a pretty good job of raising awareness. I hope I'm contributing to that to some extent. And I appreciate some of the celebrities like Selma Blair and Christina Applegate that have come out and shared their condition. And I know it's it's hard to be vulnerable, especially when you're already, you know, have a lot of media attention and public uh, attention. Um, but 
I do think we need to do more, particularly to educate physicians. Um, like me, as a primary care doctor, I never thought about MS, even though I was struggling with initial symptoms, and I should have had it on my radar. And I think a lot of doctors don't know to when to consider MS, what the presentation can look like, what to do if they suspect MS. So I think we need to do a better job of educating primary care providers as well as the public to some extent when to think about MS. The, the reason it's important is that we know that if people get on treatment early, they can reduce the chance of progression to disability. And so oh. getting on medication, uh, identifying it early and getting treatment is really important. Do you, um, I noticed with MS, um, sometimes people say it flares up and then kind of quiets down and flares up and kind of quiets down. Is that um, managing a, a side of inflammation that goes with it? What is that? Yeah, so MS, MS is an inflammatory. It is an inflammatory condition, and there are periods where there's greater inflammation and where it's sort of more active, where there tends to be, um, you know, your, your immune system is kicking in, being overactive and attacking a new part of the myelin uh, in a new part of your brain or spinal cord. And so... Um, we do have what I call flares of MS. Um, a lot of people have what's called re relapsing and remitting MS. In fact, that's about 85% of cases. Um, that's the type of MS that I have, at least right now. Um, and what that means is you have periods of activity where you often have new symptoms and there's new findings on an MRI of the brain or spinal cord. Um, and that's often treated with uh, actually very high-dose steroids to reduce the inflammation because it is, as you mentioned, an inflammatory um, process. Um, that condition, relapsing or emitting MS, can progress to progressive MS. Um, and that, that, has, that happened quite often in the past. I, I'm hoping that with some of the newer medicines, including the one that I'm on, we're going to see less of that progression to, um, to secondary progressive MS, which is okay, where so you don't have the remitting, you have just continued disability accumulating. So I, okay, so I misunderstood that a little bit. I was thinking like maybe it was like it flares up and then, oh, you don't feel like you have MS for a while. And then it flares up and then you don't feel like you have MS for a while, but you pretty much constantly feel like you have MS. Is that correct? You know, it, it, so it, everybody's different. And that's part of the reason for, I call this such a weird disease because there, it's not really that predictable. And um, and actually, a lot of people with MS don't feel like they have MS all the time. Um, I have days where I feel totally normal, and then I have days um, where I feel pretty dizzy still. Um, mm -hmm. And some people, you know, will have one episode and never feel sick again with MS, never have symptoms. Um, so it, it, there, there are, I would say that probably the norm with that relapsing remitting MS is what you're mm -hmm. describing, where you have a flare and then you actually feel better and you don't feel like you have MS. But there yeah. often is a little bit of progression. You might have a little bit of weakness that doesn't fully, you know, you don't fully recover even when you get better. You're not 100%. Um, so it, it just, it, it's, it's such a strange disease because it can cause so many different things and, and really manifest in different ways. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like it derails you similar to a migraine. Only not a migraine, you know, just derails your life a little bit, a lot of it. Yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you just feel like you, you bumped offline for a little bit there. Do you, um, can you, are you still really active um, physically? 
Are you running, walking? Are you are you okay like that? Mm-hmm. I am. I, I'm incredibly fortunate to be able Good. to be mobile and very active. Uh, for me, my favorite thing in the world is to go hiking, to go walking, and I I, I do all both of those things whenever I can. Um, I'm also a runner. Um, I run even some distance runs. Um, right now in Texas, uh, you were just mentioning fall, and that gives me so much hope because in Texas, at least in Austin where I am, it's 102 to 106 every day. <laughs> I'm not running as yeah. often right now or as far, but um, it, it will eventually cool down, and I will get back out there for some runs. I also love to bike, and I swim regularly too. Love it. Um, the top. Let me ask you this too. So I just I'm just going to keep asking questions. I I'm I like the science and the logic and the things like that behind things, but I I like to talk about things like this with people, so that other people listening don't feel alone, um, or you know might yeah. I just I hate the I hate that feeling that somebody's out there going I feel so alone and I'm newly diagnosed with MS. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that this show and your book and you could help somebody with maybe just a point we've raised or, or something we've said or done. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it, it makes me sad when people don't feel very good. So, um, and I know what it's like, cause I have, um, I have terrible migraines, terrible migraines, oh, um, gosh. But, yeah. but not, not unpredictable ones there. I talk about it in my new book coming out next year about uh, being a very long time migraine sufferer with a menstrual cycle. And so like clockwork every month, uh, just a debilitating migraine hits. And it's like, Oh, this is so oh frustrating. And, um, frustrating. and Oh yeah. So I get it completely in a, in a different way. Um, we, let's talk about your website. Let's talk about you, just you as a person. You have two daughters, Ella and Clara, what cute, adorable names. How old are they? Um, what's life like with, let's just talk about this remote, just a woman's standpoint of managing a career as a doctor with two small kids. Um, how's that? Oh, I appreciate the question. Um, you know, I think it is the hardest thing I've ever done is, has, was to, has been to raise my kids, um, especially with a chronic condition. Um, and I think we don't have enough support for families and for moms. Um, I, I felt, feel even more strongly after going through, uh, you know, raising my kids with, with MS. And I do have a very supportive husband. Um, my husband's a pediatrician, so he's very good with kids. But he works in a hospital um, full time. And he was not around a lot um, in the evenings and weekends when my kids were little. Um, yeah. And I was diagnosed when they were two, two and four years old. So, uh, you know, now they are much older. They're 15 and 18. Um, I have a daughter just about to go off to college. Um, <laughs> she's on a quarter system, so starts a little later. But uh, we are we're really, really fortunate that they have done great. I, I I think, you know, looking back, I was so worried that I wasn't able to do everything I needed to for my kids. I think we put so much pressure on ourselves as moms to be constantly coming up with engaging, you know, brain developing activities and uh, just trying to, we have all the the things we should be doing. We have to, you know, we never feel like we're doing enough. And that was, I think that's true regardless for a lot of us. But uh, when I was suffering from dizziness and was irritable and just didn't feel like I could do a good job raising my kids, um, that mom guilt, I think, was even stronger. Um, uh, you know, my kids now, 
I feel like have become maybe even a little bit more compassionate um, as a result of having a mom with MS. Um, they've been great yeah. supports to me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see them thriving. It's very gratifying. That's awesome. Where's the one going to college? She's leaving Texas to go to California. She's going to go to UC Santa Barbara. Nice, nice. Yeah, we have um, yeah, we have yeah. four bo- four sons, um, ages 22, 24, 26, and 28, and um, we've had all four of them in college for a while up to this year. Now wow. two of them are in college. Oh my gosh! So yeah, it's been interesting. Yeah. Getting their master's degrees and playing college sports and doing everything—it's—it's a—it's a cool period of time. But I know what that's like to have tinier children and try and manage a career and all that stuff. Um, it is tricky, isn't it? And you do—I always felt like I was um, divided, in just sharply divided into like, okay, this part of me wants to just go home and play toys all day, and this part of me needs to work. <laughs> and it—and I could—I know. I, I, I know. Personally, for me personally, I couldn't reconcile the two. I full on just quit my job and stayed home with the kids for a while. Um, and then when the littlest one was in first grade, I got suited back up, went out, started working again as vice president. And I was like, oh, yeah. this isn't what I want to be doing. So then I started Best Ever You. And it's been <laughs> it's been a good blend since, you know, being I've worked from home for a really long time. And it's been it's been great. So. Um, oh, that's but yeah, so I know. Great. I don't know how you had four. Oh my gosh, I like could barely manage with two girls. Um, a great <laughs> so, husband. Yeah, amazing that yeah. you could do that. Yeah, yeah, they're that all helps. two years apart. <laughs> yeah, a, a great husband, a um, uh, a, for, a forgiving body, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, <laughs> and I'm still not the skinny. I I'm like, oh, you know, it's been twenty. Three years now since I've had a child, and I still have weight to lose. It's like, oh my gosh, so we're, we're always hard on ourselves, no matter what. So I know, um, right? Uh, yeah, whatever. But anyway, to all you moms listening out there, yeah, you, you, I don't know that there's any recipe for doing it all. I think you just sort of take one day at a time and and see what that day brings. And something something usually comes to the surface as what's most important in that day. That's, that's kind of how oh, I approached it. I'm like, okay, something something usually, you know, bubbles up there. That yeah, I mean, you can, it matters a little more than I have to just else. tell myself, right? Like, I say I can only do what I can do. Like, it's a truism, yeah. but like, yeah, like I can, there's only so much I can do and I'm doing my best and just kind of yeah. that self-talk when you're in the midst of a tantrum or uh, arguing yeah. with a teenager, <laughs> you just, yeah. you know, give Perspective. yourself a little bit of, of grace. Right. And perspective for sure. So what do you hope, um, what do you hope to do with your book? What do you hope people get from your book? Let's talk, just go back to your book because we only have a few more minutes here. Um, I said we were going to kind of keep this to about 30 minutes and and you can always come back. I'd love to have you back, but what do you hope people, what do you want to, how do you want to see your book thrive and live in the world? Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I really hope that it does help people who are struggling with a challenge, whether it's MS or another chronic condition or even just another challenge in their lives, to to feel validated. Um, Maybe they will find some of my stories helpful. Uh, Maybe they'll laugh a little bit. I do try to insert a lot of humor into my book, even though there's a lot of sad stories, too. Um, But I would say that, you know, really there's three main points I hope my book kind of gets across. One is just I want people to embrace imperfection. We are so hard on ourselves as moms, as, um, you know, (laughs) 
people trying to make a career work. And um, mm-hmm. I was the one that was up at 11 o'clock at night getting the perfect orange icing for my daughter's Halloween birthday cake, <laughs> you know, trying to yep. mix the yellow and the red to get it just right. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I've learned it's okay to buy the cake. So, you know, just go <laughs> yeah. easy on yourself. And then I think the second one is just unexpected challenges can often just really derail us. It feels so overwhelming. And yet, even though they often feel horrible at first, a lot of times things aren't as bad as we think they're going to be. So we catastrophize. But in the end, sometimes you can even have something good come out of it. So for me, you know, I got this book uh, as a result of my diagnosis. I would not have written this book had it not been for that. And it's been really exciting to be able to connect with people. And it's also especially important and helpful for me to connect with people with MS and have an MS community. And then I think the third point is just I really want to set a light on the health uh, system just in inequities um, that continue to mean so many people in the U.S. are without health care. Um, and I, I hope we can do a better job of improving access to care. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the book does a good job of that. When I was reading it, I'm like, oh, she's funny. <laughs> like, this isn't funny, Lisa, <laughs> but it is. There's there's funny moments in it. And I'm like, so it's you a, have it's to a, laugh. You have to laugh, but you, it's, it's, yeah, I get it. Um, I actually, I actually kind of thought at moments too, our books kind of go hand in hand. Like I always say for some of my books, I wish they would live in the um, ICU uh, waiting areas. Yeah, I'm like that. Yeah, I I wish somebody had uh, my books to turn to, because um, I I wrote them. I wrote a large part of one of my books while my dad was a stroke survivor, and I wrote a lot of it in the, while we were sitting there in the ICU waiting area. Um, and I just think I wow. think this is one of those books too where you're you're learning to navigate change. So it's one of those books where a doctor could hand it out uh, with a new diagnosis and say, here, here's a resource kind of thing. Um, but our books kind of live together like that because mine helps people navigate change and you're talking about a major change. Um, so yeah, think about that yeah, a little bit too sure. if you're listening to the show. Both the books, kind of, the Change Guide book and Up the Down Escalator kind of go together. Sometimes books go together. Um, I always I right. think to do that. I recommend two of them. Like, here, you need this one and this one and they kind of live together. So it's not I intentional. Like well, not not intentional on yeah, our part. But. I know, but it's, it's good, good coincidence. But I, I mean, I think that you're really focused on trying to help people live their best lives, and I am as yeah. well. Like it's yep. coming at it with a little different perspective and angle. But absolutely, our our missions are similar. Yeah, I love it. It's been really nice getting to know you, Lisa. Thank you for being here on the Best Ever You Show. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners about before we go? Well, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity, and I think uh, one other point I always really want to share with with others, especially if you're going through a hard time, is just to uh, make sure that you have and are nurturing your support circle, Um, especially Mm -hmm. if you, you know, even if you don't have anything going on, like, it's just so helpful to connect, and I really applaud what you're doing, Elizabeth, with this podcast and with your books and other work to help people to feel a sense of connection. Um, having friends and family or even just one person to be there for you is, is so important. Thank you. Yeah, we've worked really hard to build this network, and it's one of those networks where you can go in and and um, say something's going on in your life, good, bad, or whatever, and, and people show up for you. It's a really cool uh, place. We've, we've kind of grown it more on Facebook. 
than anywhere. <laughs> the website and Facebook. Yeah. And I, I love the fact that you can go in there and people just show up for you. So it's it's a neat little community. Um, but I really appreciate all you're doing as well. This is a really important topic. Thank you for being um, vulnerable and sharing your the highs, the lows, the positive, the negative, the funny, the sad. Every part of it is in this book. And um, it's it's a it's a really good read and a, a really good resource and, and reference, too, for, for people to use. So thank you for being here again, everybody. Um, Lisa's website is L-I-S-A-D-O-G-G-E-T-T dot com. Lisa, thanks for being with us. It's really cool. Thank you so much. This is great. All right. All right, right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And again, that's Lisa. She's a family physician, writer, and MS warrior based in Austin, Austin, Texas. You can get her book, Up the Down Escalator, Medicine, Motherhood, and Multiple Sclerosis. We will be back on Thursday with Congressman Adam Smith at 11 a.m. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Take care. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com.